Well, Oregon's defense needs to get better in 2023, and there really aren't any excuses why, given what's happening in college football right now. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe, five-star view wherever you listen to or watch this show. Thank you to everybody who's done so already. Yes, I got a haircut. We're back to being a doppelganger for Sid from Toy Story. Isn't that fun? So, Oregon's defense in 2022 was not good enough, was not an abject disaster, but was not good enough. And I got asked this question and had some thoughts on the matter. This is from Mr. Eddie the Dog, elite name, by the way, via the YouTube comments. Remember, YouTube, Twitter, ask me a question by all means. Hey, Spencer, if our defense is not a whole lot better this year, I think there might be cause cause for concern. Would you agree? Yes, on two fronts. First, the coaching department. We are seeing now all across the country, at all sorts of programs, frankly, at every at every level, in, in various sports, we are seeing coaches have a dramatic turnaround in one year, thanks to the transfer portal. And also, because coaches now, everything's more connected, and they're a lot smarter when they take these jobs, or maybe, I think, informed, or they've just gathered a lot more information compared to coaches who took jobs 30 years ago or so, because there's just so much more content to consume. I, I think all that kind of adds up to being why, why you see teams able to make these one-year transitions. They can go get a bunch of players who they need, which, by the way, is about relationships and is also an element of recruiting, essentially. Like your ability to bring in high-level impact players via the transfer portal is how we're now going to grade you as a recruiter. Uh, I mean, when I'm talking about where Oregon stacks up nationally in college football or basketball, but mostly football because there's more players to look at there, I'm factoring in the transfer portal always, right? Like Because it's too important of, of a factor now. And so you, you see these teams, you see these coaches all across the country just completely right the ship in one year. And look, some jobs are different than others, but you look at Kalen DeBoer at Washington, Lincoln Riley at USC, like you just go across the board. Other places it takes longer, right? Mike Norvell, Florida State, that's a place that in theory is primed for a one-year turnaround. It's taken a little bit longer, and that's clearly okay with Florida State, and they look like they could be a really good team this year. But individual sides of the ball should be able to be fixed in one to two years, or at least dramatically improved. So when you put all that context into the fact that Oregon's defense was, at, at best, the same as it was in 2021, I, I mean, they both you know, struggled on third down mightily. And I think because of the way the offense is played, that skews the statistics a little bit. You know, I, I do think the 2022 defense was better than 2021, but not by a lot. I mean, 2021, I'd came on Thibodeau. So that's the best individual defender for either team on either season. That includes Gonzo, who uh, of course is really, really good. But the, the point I'm making here is if you as a defensive coordinator, if you're Tosh Lupoy, and this applies to Dan Lanning as well, if you cannot get the defense figured out by year two, if it's not at least good, 
You don't have to be dominant, but if it's not at least good because it was not very good in 2022, you got a problem and a change might need to be made because there, there's just no excuse for it anymore, especially at a program like Oregon, right? We can go and recruit high-level players, and we have, and, and no, they didn't have their guys in 2021. Okay, but now you've had a full recruiting cycle. Now you've had a full offseason with the transfer portal. In addition to guys that they brought in last year, I just don't see any particular reason, barring a slew of injuries, as to why the defense for us as fans, shouldn't go into this year with the expectation that it's going to be good. You've brought in a lot of different players. Justin Jacobs will be a starting player. Kyrie Jackson might start at corner. Jordan Birch will start on the defensive line. You've got returning talent. You've got returning experience. You have some questions on the back end. But overall, the, the biggest the biggest thing, frankly, is there has to be a schematical and play-calling improvement. Because similar personnel, look look across the way at Oregon State. Their defensive coordinator, Trent Bray, is really, really smart. And he has to do at Oregon State more with less. And in one year, taking over as the defensive coordinator, Oregon State's defense, in, in one year, at a place where you're not bringing in a bunch of transfers, at a place where you're not even bringing in high-level recruits consistently, he, in one year, took that defense from being the reason they didn't win more games in 2021 to the reason that they won 10 games for the first time since 2006 in, uh, in 2022. That was the turnaround there. It was making Trent Bray the defensive coordinator. So when I see a hire like that, look, I'm not expecting you to do that in one year. That's a little bit of an outlier. But when I see that that is possible, if you make the right coaching hire, when I see teams doing that all over the place, Washington's offense in 2021, abysmal, awful. One off season, Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, boom. Best passing offense in the country. Like we are seeing programs that Oregon should be competing against, or in Oregon State's case, competing at a higher level than, at least right now. And that, I mean, that would take a long time to get to that level exactly, but you get the point I'm making here. Like you look at a program like Washington say they turned it around dramatically on one side of the ball that was a weakness the year before. So Oregon didn't do that in year one. You've got to be able to do that in year two. You have got to be able to do that in year two. And if you don't, then you have to ask questions about Tosh Lupoy. You you do. And and I think those questions are, I don't think being asked aggressively right now, but I think the thought crossed Dan's mind, which I'm glad about, because how else do you bring in I'm really curious, and I don't think we'll ever get an answer on this, by the way, but Chris Hampton, who is Oregon's new safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator, filling the Matt Powledge role because he left to be Baylor's defensive coordinator. I don't think we'll ever get a clear answer from Dan Lanning. hasn't been in his nature. It isn't in coach's nature, generally speaking, to give an answer on something like that specifically, but how involved he'll be in the play calling department because there was speculation at one point in time and it looked based on body language on the sideline that for a couple games Dan Lanning was having a stronger role in the play calling can we confirm that no 
We can only speculate from the outside. But I don't think you get a guy like Hampton, who is a highly successful group of five DC, if he's not going to. I mean, he could be the play caller this year, and we might never know it, right? Dan Landing might say, it's a team effort. I'm on the headset. Hampton's on the headset. Tosh is on the headset. But regardless, if the defense is not good this year, I'm not saying average. If defense is average this year, context may be required, but I could get on board with making a change at defensive coordinator. If it's not good this year, I think you got to make a change because you just see too many other examples across the country of, okay, when the right hire is made, this stuff changes quickly and this is taking too long and we can't be you know, behind the eight ball in, in that sense. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Mr. Eddie, the dog who I'm pretty sure is my first listen or, or first view on YouTube every day, or at least very close to it. He's always the first comment. He's the man. So appreciate you big time there. Uh, something that I need to sound off on because it's so utterly ridiculous. Not something I typically sound off on. I, I do typically talk about FanDuel because it's America's number one sports book. And with the tournament heating up, even though Oregon's not a part of it and hasn't been, you know, in a couple of years, unfortunately, there's no better place to get action on the tournament than FanDuel. FanDuel's giving new customers right now a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up today, claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. Man, UConn looks good. Really, really good. So don't miss your shot to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Okay, so this is not a subject I will frequently, if ever, dive into because it's really not why you come and enjoy the show, whether you listen or watch. But... I saw this the other day. It's the most utterly ridiculous thing. Apparently, the Oregon State Legislature is going to consider, has not been passed, just to be clear, has not been passed, but they are considering HB 2472, which would, quote, subject college coaches and athletic directors at the state's public universities, Oregon and Oregon State, to one-week suspensions if fans engage in bad behavior at athletic events. Oh, man. (laughs) Really? 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 Like, we think this is... You ever watch Jurassic Park? I love Jurassic Park. Great movies, great acting. The best character is Dr. Ian Malcolm. He is portrayed by Jeff Goldblum, who is hilarious. He has a line in that film in which he says, that's the worst idea in a long history of bad ideas. Or something to that effect. I I couldn't let this potentially fly by. I hope this doesn't pass because that, that is so absurd. I mean, it is so absurd. You, you cannot hold one or two individuals accountable for thousands and thousands of people. That's an absurdity on its face. And, and if that came to pass, you, you, like there, there's, there's no actual logical reasoning behind it. You can just tell that for the most part, 
it was probably being considered by people who don't understand sports very well. Like, you can't control everybody. You, you, you cannot. you telling me if at an Oregon football game, 99.99% behave correctly and as they should, but 0.0001% don't. You tell me Rob Mullins or Dan Lanning could be in trouble? Lanning kind of dismissed it. <laughs> he was asked about the bill and he said, you know, well, guess I'll tell him to behave better. Basically saying, like, what do you what do you want me to do? Like, we've never once encouraged bad behavior. This is not an ongoing problem at this point in time. I, I just Yeah, let's let's hope that doesn't that doesn't make it through. I don't come on here to talk politics, but when politics encroaches upon our realm and our space of sports, sometimes you have to, but hopefully that doesn't happen. I would have even stronger opinion, but just the fact that they would even consider it, I, I just, <laughs> oh man, that'd be a disaster area. All right. Let's move over to basketball. A lot of basketball news. Lots of basketball news. Khalil Ware is in the portal. He was the number eight overall prospect in the class of 2022. Five star out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And he leaves Oregon into the portal. Not to the NBA, but to the transfer portal. With a lot of untapped potential. Now, Khalil Ware is the second highest rated recruit of all time. Number one was Bull Bull. So it does beg a question, that question in your mind that I'm going to answer later. I will say in Bull Bull, he was at least highly productive before he got hurt and then decided to not play again and, uh, you know, or, or come back for another year rather and then went to the NBA. And Khalil Ware, I mean, you saw the potential. It, it was immense. It is immense. If he goes to the right spot, maximizes his skill set, refines his offensive game. He could average 18, 11, and three blocks at the college level. He absolutely could. But the the question here after Ware just never really found his footing offensively. You know, he, he was decently efficient with, with his two-point shots, not at Enfali Dante's level, but that's not to be expected as, as a true freshman. But a lot of times he'd put up turnaround fadeaways and they were way off. He made some every now and then. He, he had a good feel for, you know, when to roll to the basket or dive to the basket and get a lob. You know, he had a lot of lob dunks. His athleticism is ridiculous. His three-point shot is unrefined. He was under 30% this year. That's part of the reason Oregon really struggled to shoot the ball is Khalil Ware, who going into the year, I was hoping would be Oregon's starting stretch four alongside Enfali Dante, ended up being moved into a reserve role and, and had a stretch. I think he had some coaches DNPs throughout the course of the year where he just didn't play because Dane Altman didn't think it was in the team's best interest. And he was working on some stuff at practice, I guess. And look, he, he was always raw coming out of high school. You know, I talked about it at the time that I felt like there was going to be an adjustment period for him where at the start of the year, yeah, he might average six points and four rebounds a game. But then you look and you say, wow, over the last 20, he's averaging like 17, seven and a couple blocks. You know, I don't, remember, I don't remember what numbers I used, but that's kind of how it looked. Because in Little Rock, Arkansas, man, he was playing against kids that were tiny. Like <laughs> they just couldn't match up to him at all. And I, I think he did look a little overmatched in that sense at the start 
he got much better. His defense improved. Here's the thing with him over the course of this season. His defense improved from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. At the start, he looked lost at times. He wasn't there in rotations. He wasn't making much of an impact. You know, he was basically out there to be a tall body, catch a lob every now and then, shoot an open three that he usually didn't make. But then at the end of the year, when Enfali Dante went out or was out with an injury and it was Khalil Wera on the floor, I felt we got the same defensive presence in there. His arms are long. He can jump. He is a, a fairly intuitive shot blocker. I liked what I saw from him defensively. Still had some room to grow on, you know, rotations and situational awareness. But overall, I thought made real strides on that front. But offensively, he was the same. He he has soft hands, but for whatever reason, when he'd get one-on-one post touches, I, I don't have data because I don't know that it exists on what his conversion rate was on one-on-one post-up situations, but that's not where he scored a majority or even close to a majority of his points this year. That's what still needed work. But when he'd comfortably put up a hard fall away, you thought, okay, if he can develop that, he can become a 20-point-a-game scorer. He's got that sort of potential, but it just never materialized there. And this is now another highly rated, you know, top 10, top 20 recruit that, that Dane Altman brought in that didn't work out. And the question that some of you may have already asked yourself that I'm now going to get to, I'll save you the trouble of dropping in the YouTube comments or hitting me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks mentions and DMs wide open and say, should Dana Altman and his staff just not go after those sorts of guys because there there is an ever-growing list of highly recruited, highly sought after, high-ceiling, five-star basketball recruits that just don't work out in college. And some of them even go to work out in the NBA. I mean, Troy Brown has had a better NBA career at this point than I ever thought he would. He, he was not much of a shooter at Oregon. He wasn't much of a scorer. I mean, he was a decent scorer, but not a great one. Like I I felt like, you know, his lone season at Oregon as a one and done came and went and it was really underwhelming. And he's not the only one, right? The five-star recruits that Oregon basketball has brought in in program history go as follows in order. Bull Bull was averaging like 21 and nine and then got hurt. Khalil Ware, we didn't even see, I think, 50% of his full potential. Troy Brown, just talked about him, and Folly Dante, whose career has been marred by injuries, but when he's played, has been really, really good, can't shoot more than five feet from the basket, but when he's on the floor, he looks the part and plays the part. Jabari Brown, who way back in the day didn't play with the Ducks, um, I think he only played in a couple games, actually, and then he went to Missouri, and he thrived. Lewis King, who was a starter on that 2019 Sweet 16 team the Ducks had led by Peyton Pritchard. But Lou King was underwhelming. He, he, he was a solid player, but he wasn't almost ready for the NBA, five-star sort of guy, lighting the world on fire. He was, just, like, he was, he was a knockdown shooter, essentially. And, and there are more, too. Two more, actually. C.J. Walker, who showed a lot of athletic potential, never had an offensive game. Just never really worked out. And now Nate Biddle, who at the end of this year really showed some promise, really showed some potential. And the question of whether or not Dana should continue to go after these guys, 
look, maybe it's just coincidence that the guys he's brought in have not worked out the way we hoped they would. Dante has, I think Biddle has that potential. If he plays like this next year, man, he could be, his his, his ceiling is immense. Bull, bull, you ask what if with the injury, right? But I wouldn't necessarily avoid going after these sorts of guys because I think what we're seeing in college basketball from a recruiting standpoint is the hit rate is even lower than it is in football. And we see in football, a lot of guys come in with a lot of potential. Ty Thompson, for instance, big five-star quarterback recruit. He hasn't started a game and he won't, barring an injury to Bo Nix, going into year three. So you have to, I think, just take these ratings, these star ratings sometimes with a grain of salt because, you know, as crazy as it may seem, not all five stars are created equal. They're, they're just not. You know, there was a defensive lineman. I always forget his name. It's hard to remember that Oregon had committed a long time ago, and he didn't end up working out. He ended up transferring to UCF. But even a guy like that, or like Mateo Uyunglele, for instance, right? And he got dropped down to a high four-star whatever. But even when he was a five, him against Kayvon Thibodeau, two different entities. And even coming out of high school, that was made very clear, right? Thibodeau's number one overall player, and he certainly looked like it. But I, I don't think for Dane Altman, the solution here is, we'll just go after, you know, three-star guys and develop them all. And, you know, just don't get guys who look like they have a lot of potential. Because when you look at the the next slew of highly rated recruits Oregon's brought in over the years, these were all like really high four bordering on five-star players. You had Tyler Dorsey. Yeah, that worked out. Got us in the Elite Eight and Final Four in back-to-back seasons, right? Big part of that. So was Dylan Brooks. Same thing. They were very similarly rated. Frank Kepnong transferred out, but was looking like a pretty good player. Addison Patterson, that didn't really work out. Will Richardson, I know everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people like to hate on him. He's been a very good player for Oregon. Dominic Artis, he was a good player. Francis Okoro, he was not as impactful. That one didn't work. Peyton Pritchard was a high four-star recruit. Oklahoma was going after him. Dylan Brooks, Miles Norris, and then Isaac Johnson, Jalen Terry, right? So w- when you go through all those names, those are like the you know 15 or 20 highest rated recruits of, of the Dana Altman era or so, however many names I-, I put in there, right? The hit rate is low, but when they hit, when Dylan Brooks reaches his full potential, when Peyton Pritchard reaches his full potential, the ceiling there is higher than it is with other guys. So I think that really you just kind of have to accept that the hit rate may not be as high. But we've got two more coming in this year, right? And and KJ Evans and, and Mookie Cook. Cook was in the dunk contest the other day. I actually didn't see any highlights of that, at least not as I've recorded this, but you know, I'll probably start listening afterwards or I'll start watching them afterwards. But I, I don't think that you want to j- just stop going after that caliber of player altogether but I think you know as a coaching staff Dana Altman and company that they do need to get better about developing them because Troy Brown you know came in a little bit raw didn't develop as much and that team missed the NCAA tournament went to the NIT Khalil Ware came in very raw they weren't able to carve out a role they weren't able to to you know develop his offensive game and maybe it got better in practice but it certainly didn't get better in the game we saw that he was not a good three-point shooter all season long, and he's supposed to be. So I, I think there's just an element of give and take there, and there's an element of risk, and there's an element of of randomness with with these guys. And I, I do think at some level, 
you know, looking at a program like Gonzaga, if you can become a, li- a little bit more like Gonzaga, I think that would do Oregon really well. Now, what do I mean by that is finding guys who do have uh, a lot of potential. And I want to find a couple guys, uh, uh, star ratings real quick, but find guys who have a lot of potential, but that do need some time to develop. But being able to develop them, Drew Timmy, for instance, amazing career, right? He's a high four-star recruit, and as a freshman, he, he, he didn't play as much. But then he developed, and he continued to develop, and he got better and better and better. That's the element that is missing, right? And I wanted to look up Julian Strother as well because I, I, I really like Julian Strother's game. Um, yeah, and he's a high four-star recruit as well. So I, I think when you look at the, the difference between what Mark Few has been doing at Gonzaga, which is – nine straight Sweet 16 appearances probably would have been 10 had the 2020 season not been canceled. And, you know, what's going wrong with Oregon here or what what has gone wrong with with some of these highly sought-after recruits is the development just hasn't quite been there. That That's the missing piece. And can Dane Altman do that? Yeah, of course he can. Look at what Peyton Pritchard was, right? And, and some of it comes down to the kid himself because Peyton Pritchard came in as a highly sought-after recruit he started or played a lot on that true as a true freshman on that Final Four team. He was like the number five option. I mean, it was Dylan Brooks, it was Tyler Dorsey, it was Dylan Ennis, the Villanova transfer, Chris Boucher, and Jordan Bell didn't do much on offense. But you know, Pritchard was in there, right? Like he's fourth or fifth option at at best offensively. And then by the time he left, he was dominating games. He was our go-to number one player. So. That, that that's what has to come next is Dane Altman needs to find the guys who have that sort of potential, but you know, maybe don't have their eyes so dead set on the NBA or who aren't, you know, just a half step away from being ready to go to the NBA because you, you want to bring in the best players you can. And most of the time, not all the time, as we know, most of the time it's going to come from guys who are highly sought after recruits, but something just has to click there. And and frankly, it can be hard to put your thumb on what exactly that is and what exactly Dane Altman and his staff need to do to get better at that going forward. But I, I don't think they should just stop going after these guys altogether because I look at Mookie Cook and I look at KJ Evans and say, boy, there's a lot of potential there, especially with Cook. And, and I wouldn't want to bring in uh, a guy who's, you know, if he's, if he's being rated as a three-star recruit, it's probably because... He might need longer to hit his ceiling, or he might need more development. He might be missing an entire element of his game to, you know, really reach his full potential, and that can take longer to develop, or it might not get as as high. But you know, I, I think something has just got to click between Dane Altman and the kids that he's bringing in, and, and their development. I've seen him do it before, so I'm inclined to think he can do it again. But with the, with the number of misses that there have been, whether it's you know Khalil Ware or or um, uh, Troy Brown or Jabari Brown, like just just keep going down the list. There, I, I think we just kind of have to accept, given the data we've been given, that the hit rate for that when they'll truly morph into superstars when they get into their college career, it's just not as high as we'd like it to be. Appreciate everyone listening. If you've got any questions, drop them below. Until then, have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.